Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Okay, welcome to episode 59 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today I have a kind of a new friend, Polly Hamp. She and I got to meet her in person in Hearst, Texas, where she and her husband, Bob Hamp, have a counseling center called Think, it's called Think Differently Counseling, Counseling, Consulting, and Coaching. Yes. And we can <laughs> I knew I was going to get that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, they have a thriving, you know, ministry slash counseling business there, and um, I got to meet her because we did a, they, they had a conference and I got to speak there. And I also was able to hear Polly speak and share a little bit of her story. And I also have, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, um, I have this book here. It probably looks back. Does it look backwards? No, it actually looks forwards. Oh, yeah. okay. To yeah. me, it looks backwards. Yeah. Um, so she's got a book called Cherished, Shattered Innocence, Restored Hope. And it's a beautiful book. It tells her story, which will I'll ask her a few questions about that in this podcast episode. And then the really cool thing about it is that it also has a study guide. So after each chapter, you can actually um, process what you've just read in relation to your own life and your own relationship with God. It's beautiful. It's a very healing book. Um, yeah. And I'm excited to talk to Polly about a brand new thing that they that her and Bob have just launched called hot boxes which is it's an incredible idea and I was able to see kind of what those look like I wasn't able to see all the things inside because it's a secret <laughs> but um so okay so let's start off by why don't you tell us a little bit about your background your story and how you got to be where you are today okay so I was born and <laughs> <laughs> good, a good place to start. We don't have to go that far, Polly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's true. And, um, but seriously, when I was born, I was born into a family of hippies. My parents were, you know, full on hippies, long, straight hair. My biological father was a musician. And also, uh, he redid houses and construction and stuff. And so I grew up very much in that, that era even though it was in the seventies, it's still, my parents were very hippie. So lots of music, lots of people, you know, um, my dad used drugs, you know, so I was around a lot of that. And when you're around that, uh, a lot of times what happens is abuse happens. And so the earliest I can remember to start being abused, sexually abused was age three. And from that, uh, the last time I can remember was about seven or eight when, it was done to me and it was, you know, people that should, I should have been able to trust. And usually that's what happens. And then a lot of people that I don't know who they were. And so when you have that, everything inside of you cries out to be seen and loved because the trauma just switches things and rewires your brain. Mm -hmm. And it was devastating to grow up not knowing what was wrong with me because I compartmentalized it so, so much to, to survive. And so I used, I uh, started using drugs really young, um, was sneaking out. Instead of being introverted, I became incredibly extroverted and uh, was 
was like, okay, if I can get guys to like me, if I can get somebody to love me and see me. And the way I did that was be sexually active. Uh, because of that, you know, you put yourself in some really, really, really bad situations. And so I've been raped. I've had abortion. I've, you know, I used to sneak out all the time. Uh, somehow I got through high school uh, that somehow I was a tennis player. So I was very competitive, uh, which helped me get aggression out and be passionate about something. Um, and I could kind of hide behind it. And that got me through high school because you had to pass to play. <laughs> so um, grateful. I was atheist um, all the way up until I was 26 years old. So at that time, I didn't believe in a God. But now I can look back and go, oh, you're so clever, God. Thank you. <laughs> but you got um, all of that out of your system when you were younger. Exactly. Yeah, yes. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, so I'm going to do all that crazy stuff. But it wasn't until... So what I have found working with people, um, including my story, but working with um, high-level trauma uh, from early childhood abuse is we learn very well how to compartmentalize our lives to survive. Mm -hmm. You have to. It's a brilliant design by God because abuse and the, the evil and the will of people do harm others. I believe that we have been given this capacity to be able to compartmentalize to survive. And so that's how I survived. Like I was a tennis player, but I was also an addict. I did this, but I also did this. I was an art major um, in college. I actually made it into college. Um, but then I went into college going, I'm going to be this perfect student. I get to put all my whole past behind me. And now um, I'm going to be this great student. And that only lasted for so long because the pain uh, eked out. And I had a friend, quote, friends are really bad. If you're on YouTube, you can see me quoting. Um, and he had asked me if I wanted to dance in a club, in a strip club. And so um, it sounded really great because now I could actually control the men, which is a lie from the pit of hell. Um, and from that, I danced for about two years and then tried to take my life. Uh, it was horrible and very dark. And it was everything that I re-traumatized myself over and over again every time I got up on that stage or, you know, all the other things that come along with the sex industry. Mm. And so from that, um, I didn't finish college and I never danced again, but I very much lived that lifestyle and uh, just crying out to be seen. And then um, at 23, I met a guy, got pregnant um, with twins. Didn't know I was having twins until I was five months pregnant. And then we got married and I compartmentalized my life again. And I became a stay-at-home mom and tried to live this normal life with this whole past of just being shredded behind me. And if I could be okay, and if I could pour my life into my girls and in my family, that wherever you go, there you are. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was very difficult to walk through all of that. My girls were born at 27 weeks. The doctor said if they live, they're gonna be severely mentally, physically challenged. 
And of course, I'm just blaming myself for my girls. You know, it's like, I, this is my fault. And if there's such a great God, why is he letting all these horrible things happen to me? Mm. And, but then I got to start seeing miracles because my daughters were so ill um, and they weren't going to survive. They did and they thrived. And through all of this, I got to start seeing miracles and starting to believe in this God that maybe there's somebody and something there that I have this opportunity to fall in love with and be pursued by a true savior. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he rescued me um, in October of 1999. And I would love to say that I was one of those radical rescues (laughs) and everything was okay. And oh my gosh, but God's usually uh, after process and maturing of faith. And that's the process I got to learn. So beautiful. I wanted uh, to show a picture for anyone who's watching on YouTube. Those are her twins right there. Aren't they gorgeous? Natalie has the headband and Ryan has the no headband. Gosh, they're just they're so beautiful thank you they're and 23 now yeah there's another picture of her with the twins I wish you could see those of you who are on the podcast I wish you could see that you can go to the YouTube um well I'll put the link in the podcast notes if you want to oh, see yeah. see what Polly looks like she's gorgeous or buy the book <laughs> yes exactly exactly yeah so okay so things so you you um you had a God rescued you, but it was a process. Why don't yeah. you tell us a little bit about that process? Because things didn't, I mean, when you've got that kind of trauma going on repeatedly over and over in your life, that that's quite a process then that you have to go through to heal that. And do you feel, and I'm also curious to know if you feel like you've completely healed or do you still feel like you work through things or? Oh, I so work through things. Yeah. yeah, I'm still in process. And I am, I will more than likely be in process until the end of, my days. And it is one of those things that I've actually come to peace with. And I won't say I'm always peaceful about it. Sometimes I'm kind of ticked, like, really, God, could we just be done with this part? Because I'm tired. (laughs) And so, but he's like, no, we have another opportunity to learn something. I'm like, yay. (laughs) And usually it's, it's much more of a battle that I'm not going to do with you guys here. So, um, but once, once I came to know the Lord, we, um, we ended up moving a lot. My husband traveled. He was probably gone. Um, he was probably home 48 to 72 hours a week. So he was gone all the time. Um, I'm raising these, uh, the girls and trying to navigate. Like, I don't have a picture of what normal family look, life looks like. And, you know, I loved, I love still, but my girls are grown. I love being a mama. I had a blast being a mama, but it was hard. It was a hard life. You know, we, we lived in Colorado cause I'm originally from Texas. We moved to Colorado then to Chicago, then back to Texas and just really trauma. Um, and when you're married to somebody who doesn't understand trauma and has their own issues, um, it's difficult to, to connect. And so I, was doing counseling, trying to walk through all of my stuff, um, the pain, the figuring out what's wrong with me. Uh, I wrestled with drinking 
because uh, that would help numb me. And especially when um, my now ex-husband was gone all the time, it was like, okay, if I can uh, numb myself, if I can figure this out, if I can live these compartmentalized lives, um, then I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And God's like, I did not create you to be compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. And I created you to be whole. And so as, as I was doing counseling and really trying to do my own healing journey of reading a thousand books, doing a thousand Bible studies, everything I could to understand the Lord and my journey and the healing process in that, um, he actually asked me to reach back out to the sex industry, to the girls uh, back in the clubs. And I don't know if he's asked you to do things where you're like, um, bleep, no, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you bleep and I don't know if I can cuss on the podcast though. Yes. We, we are okay with that here. (laughs) So hell no. Yeah. (laughs) I don't, I don't know if you've had those hell no moments with God and he's just sitting there going, Oh, you're so cute. And so, um, and so it was through all of the healing and then really him prompting my heart to reach back out to the women in the industry. And that hell no moment was like, I am not sharing my story. There is no way I'll share about my abuse. I'll share about all of that, but uh, we do, we don't share the sex industry. Mm-hmm. You know, you get your life together just to bury that. And he's like, well, that's not why you walked through it. And I'm like, yeah, well, you don't use my story, Lord. I get to, you know, be a part of it with you. And so we argued and argued and he won. And uh, in a beautiful way. Um, And so I started reaching out. I started a ministry called We Are Cherished and reaching out to the women in the sex industry. And we would, there were about 50, almost 50 clubs at the time. Uh, in the Dallas Fort Worth area where we would take gifts and just love the girls right where they're at. Oh my once you remove love, you, if we never asked a girl to leave or a woman, excuse me, to leave, because once you remove choice, you remove love. Yeah. And so, amen. Yes. Amen. Oh my gosh. That is, I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that. And that's in everything. Yes. That's not just, that's not just ministry. That's in our families. That's in everything that we do. We cannot remove choice and because they get to make the choice and we get to just love them right where they're at in their own story. And so, um, we've, uh, had several women who chose to come out of the industry. And then we had several women that would still come to the weekly dinner support groups and stay in the industry. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a part of, you know, their journey it's, and we get to journey along with them. Yep. And so, well, but, and we don't know the timing of things, you no, know, where right. one woman might seem to be staying for many, many years, eventually gets out and looks back and realizes how formational that was for her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how are we, that's take, that's taking on the role of God by saying, Oh, we're going to decide for you the timetable of your healing. We can't right. do that. No. And yet we do that. Christians do that all the time. Oh, we yes. try to dictate that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's, here is this Bible study. Now you should be fine. Here's, yeah. this, you know, four steps to whatever. Now you should be fine. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's all 
process, all growing. And wherever each person is in that, that's their personal journey. And we have to, to um, love them through that. And sometimes we get frustrated. I know for sure. I'm like, okay, why did you go back to the industry? <laughs> why did you go dance again? But it's not my story. So, um, but after I did that for, from 2010 is when I started it to 2014. And then my whole world fell apart. Uh, that summer I found out, um, a lot of, uh, very painful information, um, from my ex-husband and, uh, my girls had graduated high school going off to college that fall. And, uh, pretty much the bottom of my life just fell out from below me, underneath me. And I, I could barely function. And, you know, when you walk through trauma, and you work really hard to get through it. And, and then the things that you think are foundational and solid in your life are not. And, and then that, I think, I think, I almost think that I didn't have choice to what happened to me when I was little, but I had choice to what happened to me when I, not happened to me, but the things that I chose when I grew up, it was almost harder. Uh, and maybe because it was fresher and um, I wasn't so young and I had a lot of life experience. So I think maybe there's uh, the, the pain seemed greater and especially within the religious world and things like that. And just the, the amount of people that I lost along the way was very painful and a church family that I lost along the way. Um, because I didn't, I didn't know how to function and they didn't know how to, um, I guess, relate to me. Mm -hmm. And so I laid the ministry down and, uh, healed some more after getting a divorce. So very, uh, very difficult to make those decisions. And, but I wasn't going to survive. Yeah. When you were talking earlier about the hell no moment, uh -huh. I think a lot of women listening have been, at least I remember when God told, God told me he wanted me to file for divorce. Yeah. And that was a hell no moment. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. And it took two more years to, to get me to the place where I was willing to do that. But that is, it's such a painful thing to have to be the one to take initiative in that way when that's the last thing in the world that you really wanted right. for your life or for the lives of your kids or for the life of your, your partner for that matter. Right. So, yeah. Um, okay. So that happened that it, that wasn't, I mean, how old are your kids now? That doesn't see, that wasn't, couldn't have been that long ago. So it was 2015 when okay. this was final and uh, my girls are 23. They'll be 24 in May. So they graduated from college. They're living their lives and all that. They've been out of school. Ryan's been out of school for two years. Natalie finished her master's. So she's been out of school for one year. Okay. And, uh, so yeah. How did you, um, I'm just like trying hard not to fall apart here. How did you, how did you meet Bob then? That must've been a turning point. So I knew Bob actually because he was training, doing ministry training through uh, a large church that he works for here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so I had done some of the training through that. And so we had known each other 
for probably back in 2011. I started ministry in 2010. So 2011 is when I did a training, freedom training to understand like, how do I do ministry? I've never done ministry. Like I'm, you know, not, I didn't go to theological school or whatever, all those things, you know, I'm, I'm like the perfect person to do ministry, but I'm not the perfect person to the church's eye. They're like, Oh, you're so cute and eager. I'm like, we're going to blow this out of the water. Right. Okay. (laughs) And we did, we had a blast. (laughs) But so I got to know him through that, but then we had lost touch. And, um, and so just his life changed, my life changed. And then we reconnected and it was like, Oh, Hey. And then it was like, we have such similar stories and I had made an inner vow that there is no way in hell I will ever marry again. I am not doing that again. Obviously my picker is broken and I'm just not good at this. <laughs> so I will have my corgis and I will be that dog woman. <laughs> and so, I'm still the dog woman, but God put an incredible man in my life. And just the way that, you know, already knowing him and, you know, just kind of seeing how his life, you know, just his heart for the Lord and ministry and people. And, you know, when we first started dating, we were like, what is, what is this? This is, this is kind of great. And, and so we got married and it's been great. And, you know, we both, we both have trauma. And so we're both trying to navigate it in our marriage together and separate. You know, I still do EMDR therapy. He does too. And we're just walking through our healing and having a blast together. Yeah. That's amazing. But that also shows though, that you don't have to be nobody. You don't have to feel like, Oh my gosh, I've got everything together now before I can have a new relationship. And you can, the more self-awareness that you have and the more you're able to, you know, the more you, the more skills you have in dealing with your own stuff and being good with yourself and your own, wherever you are in your journey, the more accepting you're going to be of someone else. And if you both bring that to the table, then you can work things through and you can support each other and help each other, even though I'm sure there are snags, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, okay. That's really, that's amazing. All right. So did, so did he already have his thing differently thing going? Yes. You guys got together. So you sort of enfolded yourself into that ministry then. Yes. But you kind of have your own thing too going. I do. You brought something new. So why don't you talk about that? So, um, which are you, so when I came in, um, (laughs) so I was like, where do I start? Yeah, I know. So I'm an NLP practitioner, which, uh, so I see clients, but I'm not a licensed counselor. So what does that stand for? NLP? Neuro-linguistic programming. Okay. So tell us a little bit about that. Okay. So everybody stores pictures in their brain and, and where we store them is how we experience them. And so our experience is connected to our, um, brain storage can be whether the trauma is like flashback kind of level or, or say, you know, I have this memory, but it really has no power to it at all. And so NLP is the way I use it. Um, I help disconnect the power of the experience, like a flashback from the memory 
and uh, move pictures, change like modalities of a picture, things like that, and experiences to where we literally rewire the brain to uh, to release anxiety, like not having have anxiety anymore or panic attacks. And I work with people with trauma, um, people who are just in stuck places, uh, things like that. And I love it. I have a blast just sitting with people, watching them. Like I, one of the first women that I talk about all the time that I got to work with, um, she had anxiety attacks every day for a very long time. Like as long as she can remember, we did one session and she no longer has them. And it's just, wow. it's just when you find, and that's not always the case, you know, it's like, but when you find that, that disconnect and how you, how we can change our brains in ways that heal, you know, in when you're healed, it's like, now I can, I can go into a conversation and, and not be triggered, but be able to think through it in a new way to be able to communicate in a new way. And so it's, so that's what I do, um, with clients. And, um, and then I started this little thing, uh, called the hot box. Tell us about (laughs) that. What does hop stand for? Hop stands for healing on purpose and, um, healing on purpose is the intentionality of our, our, of our process. And so it walks you through uh, five steps of what is trauma, um, are you safe, emotional regulation, um, the learning your new reality, and the road forward. And so the box was created. um, Now I'm going to lose it. So I will be able to tell this story one day, maybe without tears. Um, So the women that I worked with, through the ministry are called butterflies. And I love that you, I think you use the butterfly, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. And um, so the, the importance of privacy and the importance of confidentiality, we never use their names. So they would be called butterflies. Uh, we would call them their names within the groups and things like that. And so one of the precious women, actually two this last fall lost their lives to suicide. And, um, And the one that I knew very well, uh, her name, um, her full name, I won't give that, but the box, this first box is called the Jules box. And I was sitting there and I'm like, God, how can we help people who, um, who are at their houses and kind of like at their wits end or they've, they have trauma, but are afraid to go to a counselor um, or don't know how to pick a counselor because not all counselors are trauma trained or trauma informed. And, um, and they don't necessarily understand what trauma does to people. And so um, God's like, do an emergency box, a box. And so from that last November, I put together this box with 13 gifts and this booklet that has all of this information. I'll hold up the booklet, I know, for people, but it's got all these information, all these, all these informations, <laughs> all this information about trauma, but it's not like overwhelming if you can see how thick yeah. it is. Yeah. And then, um, have you seen the new box? Have you seen uh, that? Well, I just saw a box and I, saw, I watched your video 
Oh yeah, that's gorgeous. Isn't it gorgeous? Yeah, that is absolutely gorgeous. So you know the sea glass parable. Yes. That's that sea glass. So I know, sorry for those who are just audio, but the box is blue and it has like it emulates the ocean because yeah. I kind of love the ocean a lot. And um and so it's just such a calming, peaceful place. And then a parable was in my book called the sea glass parable. But um about being refined and um not repurposed, but restored. Um, so one of the most important things I think about the box besides the content and the, I'm not crazy, um, because trauma makes us think we're crazy is, uh, that each gift is wrapped for the, for the reason of anticipation. I don't know about you, Natalie, but when, when we've walked through trauma, no matter what it is, like say you've been in a car accident and you just start driving, you anticipate, it's like you're afraid to go through a light because you're anticipating it being hit. You're afraid to turn a certain way because maybe that's the way you've been hit. And so you anticipate fear and like your body stays in this high state of anxiety. So what happens if we can rewire anticipation and go, each gift is wrapped. So you anticipate opening up that next gift. You anticipate what is this and, and it's, and it's fun stuff. So it's like, ah, I get to open up this fun, blah, 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 that I'm not going to tell you because I'm going to anticipate excitement. So literally every aspect of this box is designed to rewire your brain and to rewire experiences. So even if you're not thinking anticipation, maybe the next time you have a conversation that hasn't gone well in the past you're not going to anticipate the fear because you've had your brain rewired to anticipate something new. Yeah. That's very interesting. Okay. So is this, do you open up each thing like a different thing each day of the month or do you open it, things up when you feel like you need them the most or how does that, how does that work? So however you want to do it. So, um, this box is, this one is a one-time box, uh, at the end of uh, May, I will be launching a subscription. Um, I believe it'll be a nine-month box, so it'll have each process for nine months. Okay. But this one, um, you have thirty-two journal prompts, and so then you read through the book in each section. And at the end of each section, I'm going to see if I can do this without showing. <laughs> each section, there's like for you for you audio people. There's like a little gift picture. So, and then underneath it has the numbers of the gifts. And so some people sit down and go through the whole box at one time. Some people, I've got a few um, clients that are going through the box right now who are like, gosh, they're taking, I think once a week and they're journaling and they're taking their time. Yes. And so really it's, it's your process. So there's a symbol, is there symbolism to each gift then? Absolutely. And a lesson that goes with it kind of? Yes, exactly. And each gift is, um, the intentionality of the five senses. And so sight, smell, touch, uh, speak or sound and taste. So they're all in there. And then, um, and that way you get to experience different senses that, um, help rewire the brain also. That's, that is genius. It's fun. God, this is, I, yeah, I'm, I'm blown away at God's 
uh, gift with this. Yeah. Okay. So you've launched it. I know you had, you had like 50 boxes, I think at the reclaim conference and they all got sold out right away. Yes. Um, and now you've had, you had this like roller skating launch down in Texas and it looked like I was looking at the videos look like you guys were having fun. Um, so now, so moving forward though, is there a website set up for this? Yes. You can go order the box at starthopbox.com. So it's start H O P box.com and it'll give you more information. I know Natalie, you said you're going to put the links and stuff, but it'll yeah. give you, it'll give you more information about what it is and then how to order it. And then the upcoming, um, boxes as well. Okay. And this, this, um, episode is going to be coming out at the end of March. So maybe they'll be ready by that time. Not that no, we won't be, uh, the subscription. My goal is to launch it by May 15th. Okay. So but you I, can still get this initial box though. You yes, can still, you can buy the still initial get the box. initial box. This box will always exist. Okay. So, yes. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. <sighs> this has been really, really good. Thank you. So I, I do have one more question though. I just realized I wanted to actually hit this question before we hit the hot boxes. So when you, so do you, is you, are you working full-time then? I'm just curious. This is just a personal, I'm curious. Do you work full-time in the office there at Think Differently or do you like, what is your, what does an average day look like for you? Oh girl. Um, <laughs> so really I only see clients one day a week. I used okay. to, I used to see clients two days a week. Um, and because of the hot box, I have pared down to one day a week. Um, yeah, I can imagine this project is huge. Yeah, it is. And it's so fun. And you should see my house. Like <laughs> I cleaned up behind. That looks amazing <laughs> in the back there. It's like, poof. Um, <laughs> so, uh, is so that your dining? Are you sitting in your dining room right now? Yes, this is okay. the dining room. Yes, and that back there is the family room, which is I don't even know if you can see stuff. I don't care. Yeah, I can see a chair. It looks very peaceful back there. Oh, thank you. Yes, and everything's hidden from the so, but it's crazy. So, like the house is the Bob calls it Hot Box International. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, um, but so yeah, I see clients and then just do uh, just different getting ready for different events and teachings and, you know, just doing some social media stuff. And then pretty much I'm, I'm 90% focused on Hotbox right now. Okay. Yeah. Can I just say one thing is why we had the, um, the book launch and the Hotbox launch. Cause that I also launched the third edition of Cherish, but why we had it at the skating rink. Yeah. Talk about that. So one of the things that's important that I have learned is that trauma and healing from all of this really sucks. Like this is hard stuff and we either work our butts off or try to ignore it as much as possible. One or the other. It's like, if I can work my butt off and ignoring it, I'm going to do that for a little while. And then I'm going to just jump right back in. But the reason why we had it at the skating rink is because we have to have fun. Yeah. We have got to really be intentional on having fun because if we don't have fun, this, this healing stuff will wear us down. And if you look at the fruits of the spirit, the second one after love is joy Mm -hmm. And, and joy is, is this gift that we get to express even in the hard places, the fun 
and the laughter, whether it's just watching some silly movie or going outside and having finding joy in the things that are around you, even when you're you're physically in pain mm-hmm. because things are so hard. And I have go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, roller skating too. When I was younger, I loved roller skating and I loved bike riding. And one of the things, I think it really helps your body to actually be moving through space like that. Yes. And it's, and when, when you add music to it or, you know, that is also healing to our bodies, you add, so you add that kind of movement and the music and, or even to silence, you know, if you're outside riding your bike alone, yes. I definitely think that it, it does. God made us, you know, I think it's incredible how God made our brains to work like this incredible computer that we can actually, we can actually manage our brains and take control of it. I know, you know, that's one of the things, that's one of our challenges and our opportunities, right? Is to learn how to manage our own thinking. Yes. But our bodies are connected. Our, our bodies are connected to our brains and our spirits. Mm-hmm. So when we involve our bodies in healing things, just like our bodies were involved in the trauma. Yes. That is, it helps to change everything else as well. Well, and to say that the the reason why the hot box is so experiential is because trauma is experiential. Yes. And it has to be a component. Yeah. Of, you know, to re, because, because um, cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, different, different types of therapy. It's important to share your story, yet it's also important to, to have experience experiences that replace that you can't put words to that help replace and rewire your brain from trauma. And so having fun, go roller skating or bike riding. I love bike riding too. And, um, it just, just go have fun and make it like a weekly thing and make it intentional even when you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I just, I recently heard somewhere that language is the, or that our words are the language of our, our thoughts are the language of our brains. Our words are the language of our, shoot, I'm massacring this. But the the point is that sensations are the language of our bodies. I never yes. thought about that, that our bodies actually have a language when we have, and that, and unfortunately those sensations that we get when we, um, when we see, when we get triggered, like we see something mm-hmm. that triggers us, all of a sudden our bodies will react with a sensation that it remembers and Mm -hmm. it's bringing that sensation back to us. And that we might not even cognitively understand what that's about, but our body sure understands what it's about. Right. So it's creating those new sensations or using healing sensations to, you know, yeah. Anyway, it's fascinating. The whole healing is actually a really fascinating process and it's a fat it's a fascinating thing to learn about and i think that survivors i tell survivors this you have an opportunity to go like to uncover layers and go deeper in your humanity and your personhood than people who have never experienced anything like that so on the one hand it's a negative but on the other hand it god takes it and turns it into an incredible incredibly positive opportunity and then yeah, it's it opens up a it opens up worlds and vistas that you would never ever have access to otherwise. Agreed. I agree. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking some of your time, Polly, to talk with me and to share your life with the people that are listening. Mm-hmm. And um, I hope we can do it again sometime. Thank you. I agree. <laughs> I appreciate and it. 
Yeah. And for the rest of you, until next time, fly free.